Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to Better Living. I'm your host, Nick Carissimi. We are continuing our conversation about labor of hope. I just got done speaking with Melissa Mathis, their chairman and co-founder. Now we turn to the other co-founder and vice chair of Labor of Hope, Keisha Baker. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing great. Good. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, you do a lot for this organization, and you're just busy all the time. As my friends would tell you. You're, yes, I am busy all the time. You're but... doing a lot of different stuff. Yeah. Now, let, let's try and get it down. You're a doula. I am a doula, full-time. You are a midwife? I am a, well, the technical term would be student of midwifery, but we say student midwife, yeah. All right. How far along are you in that process? I am almost finished. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. I should have my license by January of 2020. So about a year. Yeah. Less, less than a year. Less, less than a year. Add. We're going to look at it. <laughs> Don't add to me. <laughs> Soon. I won't put dates on it. Yeah. Soon. What's the difference between a doula and a midwife? A lot. So I hope that all of my midwifery clients hire doulas. <laughs> it's definitely advantageous to us to have one. Um, so a doula is going to provide educational support and physical support and emotional support throughout the process of pregnancy, childbirth, and postpartum. You know, so for a lot of clients, especially with their first babies, they tend to be long. The average length of labor in America is 24 hours, which can be really surprising for people to hear. And, you know, we really don't want them to coming into the hospital or the birth center or meet the midwife until they're in a good active labor. But that can be hard and they don't really know what's normal or what to expect. And so that's where the doula can come in and provide support. They can help with positioning, hydration, um, helping the dad know what's normal you know their partners sometimes are like I'm tired I need a nap I need a snack and so we can relieve them as well it really looks different for every family you know a lot of my clients are planning to have an epidural and so they think oh my gosh first labor pain I can have an epidural but the hospital will send them home they have to be in active labor you know so we're also able to help them work through that early labor period and so they're there to provide that that almost like a friend who knows a lot about birth support, right? Whereas a midwife, I like to say, is a doctor and a nurse combined. So they have a lot on their plate. So while me as a midwife, I do definitely offer a lot of my doula esqueness as I say. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I, I mean, I really do pull the doula in with my clients. My favorite thing about being a doula is getting a baby in an optimal position. A lot of people don't know that there's several different ways a baby can try to come out. And if it's not optimal, it can make for a really hard, long labor. And so I really enjoy being able to get that baby into a good position by not using my hands. It's pretty cool. You put the mom in different positions and that baby can twist and turn. Doctors really appreciate it when we can help that happen. And so I definitely do that as the midwife. And we definitely provide um, a little bit more closer support. And so I do think my dual experience helps with that. But it's very different. I mean, my number one goal as a midwife is to take care of you and your baby medically. It's a lot more responsibility. We have to be more rested. The doula can be away for 24 hours. You know, the midwife can, but, you know, we try to take naps. We try to take care of ourselves so that when the go time of having the baby arrives, we are on our A game and we can take care of you. Are so. doulas normally for the first pregnancy that a, that a family will have? Because I would, it sounds like you're yeah. giving tips and tricks for a newbie. Right. No, I mean, 
I have so many repeats at this point. My practice is primarily repeat clients, meaning it's their second or third baby. So I wouldn't say that. And a lot of people will hire you for their second or third baby because they're looking for a different experience than their first. That was the boat I landed in. That's why I became a doula. I was looking for a different experience than my first. So I hired one. So no, I mean, I, I've had clients hire me for a planned cesarean. Like I said, I have clients that hire me for epidurals. I have clients that like planning to have an epidural. Um, I have clients that are planning an out-of-hospital birth, you know, and then we transition to the hospital. And they're really glad that they have a doula who's used to being in a hospital setting because that was not necessarily on their radar, you know. So, yeah, everybody, pretty it's, much. It's fascinating. And we are going to talk more about labor of hope mm-hmm. specifically, but I am... Of the understanding that doula ing, doula ing, yeah, we is, say doula ing. Is, is what that's your that's your specialty, right. and, and that's what you're offering to this organization, or right. at least at first. Like that's the perspective that you put into labor right. of hope. Right. So learning about this and what you guys do and right. why it's important, I think, is important. I had to Google it. Yeah. I did not know what a doula <laughs> was. Is this popular? Yeah, it's actually becoming a lot more popular just because more celebrities are using it. Is that and it? so Who's the big celebrity? It's that oh my blew gosh, it up? I'm trying to think. Is somebody responsible well, for Hillary it? Duff just had a home birth and a doula. Totally thought you were going to say Hillary Clinton. I was thing. like, huh? No. Why not? Hillary um, Duff. Hillary huh? Duff. That I mean, she's like the most recent. Gosh, I'm trying to think. So many. Um, Seems like with stuff like this, you can kind of pinpoint. That one celebrity where mm-hmm. it started trending on Twitter afterwards, right. and now people are interested. Well, it's like Kim and Kourtney Kardashian ate their placenta. Well, they didn't quite eat it, but they did placenta pills, and so then that became the trend. So a lot of our clients do that. You know, it's the same with doulas. A lot of clients. Jessica Beale, I think, had a doula. She planned an out-of-hospital birth. Gosh, I'm trying to think. The girl from Lost, I know she did. <laughs> there's, I, there's some, I mean, there's a laundry list at this point. Okay. Most, I would say the majority, if you hear of a celebrity talk about their birth story in the last year to two years, they're going to mention. And the doula said, you know, and so there's a lot, a lot. That Amanda Seyfried, she had a doula. Okay. So. How did you get involved with this? So after the birth of my first baby, it just didn't go as planned. Um, I come from a home where my mom had all four of her children naturally in a hospital setting. And then my husband's mom had all three of her children at home naturally. So natural birth was pretty normal to me. So I was like, okay, that's just the way I'm going to do it. I didn't really get educated on it because it was just my normal. And so I had an OB out in Newport Beach. So I was super excited because my room was going to have a beach view. So I was like, man, nothing better than this. A natural birth with a beach view. It was pretty nice. I got this down. Pretty nice. And my husband didn't even read a single childbirth book because... We just weren't worried about it, you know. It was like we're we're gonna do this. Yeah. And at 36 weeks and six days, my um, liver started failing suddenly and ended up with what's called helps. I mean, that's really what it is, but it's called help center. But my liver was hurting essentially, like really bad to the point I couldn't stand or walk. And Your liver, liver stopped liver. working. <laughs> it was stop. It was getting overloaded, is what happened. And um, I had no symptoms of anything else prior. And so called the doctor, let him know, like, man, I can't even stand up it was pretty bad and they said get to the hospital right away and then they said well what's happening is it's called help syndrome and with that your liver is really hurting because it's being really overworked it's kind of on the verge of stopping you know and so all of a sudden I'm not even really in labor Um, I'm having every intervention you can think of to get me to have my baby quickly and safely and then was put on a medication where it makes you really loopy so I couldn't remember anything and 
I don't remember the first 24 hours after my baby was born. I woke up and realized, oh my gosh, my baby hasn't eaten. And my husband's just holding it. But he didn't know, right? Because he didn't read any books. And um, and so it was just really, yeah, yeah, you can imagine. It was really hard and scary for both of us and not at all what we expected. And nobody at the hospital was trying to... You know, I. this is the thing. When I got into doula work, I thought, oh my gosh, they did everything so wrong. I can't believe all that happened to me. And then once I became a seasoned doula, I was like, thank goodness they took care of me the way they did. And really other places I would have had a C-section, which would have been okay. But, you know, I, I was glad that I didn't have to have surgery to recover from at least. And um, and so they really did a great job. So I don't really know. I don't know what happened in that 24 hours because uh, <laughs> I don't remember. But um, so after that, I kind of started trying to process through what happened. I felt like birth happened to me and my husband felt the same way. And to the point that we thought we'd never have kids, another child. I mean, we had one, obviously, but have another one. And um, I went to my sister's birth about three years later and it was at the hospital and it was great birth. Wonderful. Like no complications. It was wonderful. She had a girl. Did you have a beach view though? No, it was here in Texas. So um, no beach view. So I went to her birth and it just brought back all these feelings. And and she had an epidural and I just felt helpless. Like I felt like I couldn't help her. And she, that's not her view. Her view was like, this was great, you know, but my view brought back all these feelings. And I went home. I left that birth and went home and was like, what can I do? And so I decided to become a doula. And that's what, that's the personal side of what brought me into this. You know, we try not to make it too personal because it's not about my story. It's about each of these mom's story and what they want, you know, and how they want to be supported. And that looks different for everybody. But you didn't have an interaction with a doula. No. And neither did your sister. No. So how did you come to the idea that doula was well, the way to okay, go? Well, okay, I do. So the one interaction I had was I was at a some some sort of show, like a modeling situation, and all the models, we were all backstage and talking. And one of the girls was like, yeah, it was crazy. The mom was totally out, couldn't, was not, didn't have any consciousness. She was totally out. And I was able to put the baby on her and allow the baby to breastfeed. And I was like, what are you talking about? Because it just like the unconscious part of it yeah. was like, oh, that rings a bell with me. And she was like oh well I was a doula and I'm like oh my gosh I read about that back with baby number one for me but they were expensive in Southern California they are so expensive I mean they're even more expensive than here in Dallas which they're pretty expensive and at the time it was just like that's crazy I'm not paying three grand for that like you know you just don't really understand the value which a lot of people don't understand the value in general I was gonna ask is it misunderstood do people know what it is or do people have uh, is there a misconception about I it I think there's a misconception about it that we we only serve women who are planning to have a natural birth outside of the hospital that's the biggest misconception and that's that's so unfortunate because I really think every woman deserves that support and it's really unfair to ask their partner to do it especially if they've never walked that journey themselves you know they don't really know you're asking them to play a game they've never or to coach a game they've never played and they want to enjoy that day too. And instead the partner's often really fearful. I mean, I can't tell you how many partners are the ones who are like, hire a doula. <laughs> Men, especially they're like, hire a doula. If you do nothing else, hire a doula. They're always telling us to charge more. And I'm like, you say that after the fact though. Right. <laughs> it's really hard to encompass all that we do. It looks different for every family. So why become a midwife? I think because I've been a doula for so long. How long have you been doing this? Seven years, which was crazy because I just realized that. Does it, is like it feel recently. weird to I say was that like, out loud? Yeah. So to say six years, like all last year, I was like, yeah, I've been a doula six years. You know, they ask you on interviews. People will ask you. But then all of a sudden, a few weeks ago, I was like, 
oh my gosh, I'm like at seven years. <laughs> that's a lot. And that's an old lady in the doula world. The average burnout rate's three. So I'm like, why? I'm like old. I figured this would be something that like 85 year old women have no. been doing forever. It, well, maybe the older ones would do it well because they don't have any other responsibilities. <laughs> it's hard work. I mean, being on call, never being away from your phone. For me, I have to plan vacations nine months in advance. I'm often missing sleep. I mean, right now as a student midwife and a doula, it's like. But is is the. When you're a doula, is it only for the birth, or are you involved at other stages? Yeah, the so pres- for me, pregnancy? I mean, it depends on what contract they hire me for, but I'm definitely seeing them a couple times before the birth. So okay. a lot of times that's at night, you know, because you're not the doctor or the midwife, and so they want you to come to their house at night. So you're gone away from your family at night, and then you're gone away from your family at night for the birth or all night, and then you're sleeping the next day because you were awake for 18 hours. You know, it really taxes your body, like extremely taxes your body. So the amount body. of care that you have to yeah. give physically and emotionally mm-hmm. To these people, it, it has a tendency to burn people out. Yeah, so that's why I mean, and and then in order to charge what maybe you need to to sustain that, can feel difficult to the doula. Like how you know how is that going to be something I can convince people to do when this is not a necessity? You know, so it's an interesting. It's know, fascinating. Yeah. I, I I mean I didn't know really anything about this. I'd heard the term before, mm-hmm. but I didn't really know what. It it was. Was. I know because it's in media now. I mean, it's in per- Pitch Perfect Three. <laughs> is, it, is it? She's like, I think I'm going to become a doula. <laughs> so, I mean, it's ever. My wife loved those movies. Yeah, if there was a doula on The Bachelor. I think two or three seasons ago. Wow. You know, so it's it's becoming something that's common, and so it does look like. You know, oh my gosh, how sweet she gets to hold babies all the time, and it's it's really hard work. It's it's really hard work, and we give a lot of ourselves and our family sacrifice. And so, with that comes a burnout rate. Sometimes. So now that you are soon to become a midwife, are you going to continue to do both? Or, <laughs> oh, that's or... the question of the year. Is it? All my clients are really worried about it. The ones who are like, I get epidurals, so <laughs> what am I going to do? Because obviously, as a midwife, yeah. um, and uh, so let me clarify: there's different kinds of midwives, and I'll be a certified professional midwife in the state of Texas and um, a licensed midwife here. And so with that, we are not in hospital settings. You can now you can hire a certified nurse midwife and some of them are in hospital settings. We have a few here in DFW recently, which is really cool to add that. But um, so therefore you cannot have an epidural at home. <laughs> are you going to work in homes mm-hmm. or in birthing centers? So for me, I plan to go into a home birth practice. Um, part of my apprenticeship has been in a, um, a home birth or a birth center birth um, for the last year, actually. And now this year will be all home birth so I'm glad I had that experience but for now I really like the home birth setting was there any thought to becoming an OB and to becoming a a doctor in the traditional sense that delivers babies you know what if somebody wants to pay for me to go back to school I will be (laughs) the most natural friendly OB you've ever met Um, I definitely like taking on things that are difficult clearly Um, I would in fact my husband was like you should just do a GoFundMe because I'm like I finally got my undergrad paid off I do not want to do that again you know yeah what did you originally go to school for what a great question psychology psychology yeah yeah Yeah, yeah it does it does I always wanted to work with women so, but I had no idea it would be like this. In fact, I thought I would never have children. So, I, this was not on my radar whatsoever. How did you get into this? Like, how how did this happen with all this stuff? You're you're such a huge part of Labor of Hope. You you co-founded an organization that it, that is helping families in need. Mm-hmm. You're a doula, soon to be a midwife. You're heavily involved in people's lives and with the miracle of birth. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Of, of all the things that you could have dedicated your life to, how yeah. do you think that you got to this point? It's crazy. I don't know. I mean, I think it's ordained. 
I think that I was given a pathway, which not everybody is lucky enough to find, you know, um, and, and it definitely found me. And and that was, I struggled with that with midwifery, leaving my doula work to become a midwife. Like, is this necessary? Because it's such a big deal. There's so much responsibility. And I really struggled with it for the first six months. Like, is this what I'm supposed to do? Because it's the hardest thing I've ever done. Harder than the natural childbirth I had, which I had with my second. With the a doula. midwifing? <laughs> yeah, becoming a midwife is the hardest thing what I have What makes it so difficult, would you say? Do. I think... Well, the sleep deprivation is real. <laughs> I'm still taking doula clients and clearly still running Labor of Hope, you know, with a family. Um, I also have another side gig. Uh, so, you know, it's, <laughs> no, it never, I've stopped. I'm not going to start any more businesses for a while. <laughs> yeah. So with a midwifery, you know, it's a calling, just like I think becoming a doula is a calling. And so the hard part of becoming a midwife is it's just an intense amount of emotion, right? Because you're in these emotionally charged situations and you're seeing what you're going to have to be responsible for. You're learning. There's the learning piece and the studying piece. For me, I'm still running a business and a nonprofit. And so that's really, you know, that takes up a good bit of my time as well, that focus on that. And then sleep deprivation is huge. I mean, everything's harder when you're exhausted. <laughs> and so I think just putting all that together and you really have to go through a refining process, I think, in order to become somebody that can be in charge of other people's lives, because really their lives are in our hands. You know, while we do only take normal birth, I mean, that's what makes it safe to do outside of the hospital. We are trained for when they do need our help. That's why you have a midwife. They don't need us generally, right? Like they could do this on their own. But when they do need us, we have to know what we're doing. That's a lot of responsibility. Is that responsibility the draw? What's the rush here? It seems to me that there is going to be a payoff that you're receiving yeah and it's not monetary i don't so think that you would stick I, with something this long right. what is the what's the the high from this so i value life which is really fascinating because that actually is part of our mission and vision is to celebrate and value every life and that's just really big for me i think that a lot of the problems that we face in society is that we don't truly value life and it starts in the delivery room and unfortunately we take the power of the parents hands we kind of tell them you don't know what you're doing let us run the show and instead with midwifery care we put the power back in your hands that's something that you have to agree agree upon whenever hiring a midwife is that look i am responsible for my diet and my exercise and my health because if I'm not healthy I cannot stay with you guys to birth outside of a hospital we really put that responsibility back on them and by doing that I think we prepare parents for parenting instead of sending you home with a baby that you're like oh my gosh I've never had to make a decision for and that's really terrifying you know and so I feel like if we can start to teach the parents to value that life before it's even born and say like hey this is hard work that we're then going to value life in every area of our society right which can cross a lot of um, boundaries, I think, that sometimes we put up, you know, whether it be social, religious, whatever those things. Everybody has different opinions on where they stand. But if we can just value the life that's here and start from the beginning and celebrate that and empower the parents, which will empower the baby, we're going to have better outcomes. So that's why I'm involved in all these things. So becoming a midwife became important to me because after being a doula for so long, it was like, I'm starting to see the things that I really don't like happening. And, you know, you know a whole lot, you know, more than the average doula because you've been around the medical terminology for a long time being in and out of hospitals. And it just got harder and harder to watch some of the things that would happen that were beyond my control. And so I decided to step out and say, hey, 
I'm going to take on that responsibility, which still sounds crazy. I have um, a, there's a doula group I'm a part of. We're all we are all um, doulas that have been together for quite a long time. We just added three new girls, but us original original five founders have worked together for a long time. And three of us decided to be midwives all at the same time. We didn't even tell each other. It was just like it happened. We told each other, hey, I've been thinking I want to do this. And it was crazy. So we have our own hashtag three doulas becoming midwives. And uh, so we plan to continue to work together. So it's been kind of cool for us to walk that journey together. And it was all for the same reason. And we all have the same passion and belief around it. So Keisha Baker is the vice chairman and co-founder of Labor of Hope. You can find them online at laborofhope.org. Let's talk about the organization What do you guys provide to the families that come to you and say they need your help? Yeah. So we have what we call a hope team. And so we put together a hope team for these families and they can decide what they want to be a part of this hope team. So generally, we want to offer our families a doula. So, so that we can have support in the delivery room. A lot of our families are actually going to need quite a bit of medical intervention. And sometimes the hospitals aren't quite used to that idea. Only about 70% of the babies with these diagnoses are kept. And then past that, not very many of them are able to make it to term. So you will find that sometimes the physicians are like, yeah, I've actually only ever had one baby with this diagnosis. So they're, they, they are ready to help and they want to help, but it's difficult for, it's a hard day for them too. You know, so the doula can step in and say, Hey, the family really wanted oxygen. Can we have oxygen? You know? So that was the piece for me when I came to Melissa and said, man, we should really do something about this. That was really big for me because the family that I supported their baby had trisomy 18. And in the delivery room, there were just a couple of things that were really minor that were going to extend the baby's life, possibly by a couple hours, that would allow them to meet their baby and hold their baby and talk to their baby. But the doctor that was on wasn't really aware of their plan. And it, and it was just becoming something that was kind of difficult. And so I was able to advocate for that and just say, oh, hey, by the way, they wanted this. Can we have this at the bed? And, and then it was a no big deal. Sure. They went and accommodated, you know, and so I realized, wow, if a doula wouldn't have been there, that wouldn't have happened because the parents don't know what to ask for it. This is not at all within their realm of normal, which is what we do is a doula for a healthy birth too, right? We ask for things that sometimes the parents don't know um, are available to them. So the doula is the big piece, um, photographer. And so with a photographer, we offer maternity, newborn, or birth photography. And with our photographers, they're um, volunteers, but they often will say, hey, I'll do all of that for you. You know, they often will will tell the families, but we say we offer one, and so they'll choose one of the three. And so that way it commemorates the life of the baby. So some parents will choose to do maternity because they're not quite sure what that's going to look like at the end, you know, and so that's how they want to remember their baby. Some people will do birth, and then sometimes the babies get to go home and we'll do newborn photography. Resources are a big way that we help because sometimes when families receive this diagnosis, their physician is recommending termination. Our families are choosing to keep their babies, to meet them. And so if their doctor doesn't feel supportive on that, then we'll align them with another doctor that does or an MFM that does or a hospital that does. We've partnered with several hospitals locally in our area to provide good outcomes and situations for these families. They understand what we do and we're able to team up together, which is really cool. Hospital prep was something that was mentioned in my first interview with your co-founder, Melissa Mathis. She said that you would be able to talk about that a little bit more because what I have learned about the organization, it seems providing the doula and then also photography seems to be the main focus Mm -hmm. of Labor of Hope. But as you mentioned, that's not the only thing you guys are doing. It's the resources, Mm -hmm. the community 
that you've established for the people that are part of this organization, but also the hospital prep. What mm-hmm. are some of the things that you do to help people in that right. arena? So, so somebody may reach out to us and say, I already have a doula. And I don't want a photographer, <laughs> right? But I do need some help coming up with a plan. And so that's what the hospital prep is for. So we're able to sit down with them and say, okay, what kind of plan do you have in place now? Which they may not have one at all, or they may have one. And so we can review that with them and maybe think of some things that they haven't thought of, right? Because we've walked this several times. We can also come alongside their doula that they already have and say, hey, let us help you with what's called a birth plan or birth preferences for the mom and what she wants. Because that doula may have never served in this capacity as well so we can support her or if they're not having a doula at all we'll just equip them with that birth plan so that they can take it in because sometimes that looks like a parent actually choosing to have like a c-section as opposed to a natural delivery because that might give them more time with their baby and that might not have been mentioned to them which is so fascinating because as doulas with healthy pregnancies generally we're trying to avoid the c-section right because right. we don't want to have to recover from surgery if we don't have to um, in this situation, we're often asking for the intervention, and we need the C-section. And so it's something that we're educating the parents on to say, hey, what are your goals? Okay, well, since these are your goals, these are the things you want to think about. And then we also come up with a NICU plan for the parents because a lot of our babies um, are expected to live anywhere from a few minutes to hours to days. And so coming up with a plan on what interventions they do want or don't want. Many of our families don't want any extreme intervention, but they want basic things like oxygen. And we had one baby that they're um, – a fetal cardiologist said, hey, the oxygen levels need to be set at this level, you know, um, but they're not working with the hospital. And so we were able to put that in the plan and then give it to the NICU the day of. Um, some of the NICUs will even meet with them ahead of time. And I've gone along with the parents to meet the NICU staff so that they can share what it is that they're looking for for their baby. So much of what you're doing and providing really just sounds like being an advocate for the parents. Right. And that's and that's the thing is it's, it gets kind of hard because a lot of people refer to doulas as advocates, but really we're not verbal advocates that's something that's in my contract in fact i'm not going to verbally advocate for you because that's a real surefire way to get asked to never come back <laughs> you know because we're not so how do you ride that line in though because gosh it's a tap dance that it's sounds a, it's really a tap dance. what i'm what i'm getting from you as your personality is that you like to help you're, you're into the idea of maintaining control that you're helping the families control a certain mm-hmm. aspect of their birth and mm-hmm helping to control what the doctor is doing and helping to control the relationship between those two. Right. It seems like you have a very orderly sense right. about you and you're trying to tick off all the boxes and make sure that all this stuff is working. But the more I'm learning about it, it sounds pretty difficult yeah. because you're juggling a lot of yeah, different you're juggling. Stuff. And that's why it can be difficult, you know, the more seasoned a doula is, the the easier it's going to be for them because we can never guess how birth's going to go healthy or one of our clients. We we don't know. We don't know how it's going to go. So it's really taking each piece and constantly working with everybody so that everybody can be on the same page, that everybody's happy. So the doctor feels like that they're able to get their message across and take care of the family well. And the family is on the same page as the doctor. I mean, when I first started, I would find that parents had this idea of this long birth plan they'd never talked to their doctor about. So then we go into labor and we bring this in and the doctor's like, what? I can't do this. So then they're like, oh, I hate my doctor. And it's like, well, it's not his fault. Like he had no idea you wanted to 
to do this, you know, and it's the same with labor of hope, you know, so we want to equip these parents ahead of time so they can have these meetings and these discussions with their doctor so that the day of everybody's on the same page. It's not going to be perfect. It can't be, you know, it never is. But at the same time, everybody can try really hard to do their piece. And I think it just makes the day, it's kind of like a wedding planner for your wedding, you know, just makes the day a little bit less difficult on a really hard day. It's going to be a hard day for everybody involved, including the providers, you know. Have you seen that doctors are more open uh, to doulas or want to have more of them because you're able to help reduce stress in such yeah. a stressful environment? Yeah. I mean, I think it depends on their experience with doulas because <laughs> not all doulas have that same outlook. But um, there are a good amount of doctors that I know that refer to doulas and they recommend it to people. Or if the client says, have you heard about a doula? And they're like, yes, you know what? That would be really helpful. And then to the credit of the other ones who maybe are a little concerned, I'm like, they probably just didn't have a good experience. And that's fair because it's so individual. So we work really hard with our group of volunteers to be cohesive and to represent us well. We have a training coming up in a few weeks. Actually, it's going to be a whole retreat. We have 14 new girls coming and we will be able to express to them a lot of things I'm telling you so that we can all be on the same page and everybody can have good support, including the hospital staff and the physician and the families. 14 new doulas coming Mm -hmm. in for training. Yeah, we're super excited about it. It's kind of it's an it was our initiative for the year was to do this. We have a couple of local hospital, county hospitals that have reached out to us. And with that, they need more Spanish speaking doulas, which there is not, there are three in all of our area, <laughs> our greater area. And so that's very different. One's one of my business partners, which is great because she's a volunteer. Um, and, the, and I know the other two. So they are volunteers, but we need quite a bit more. And so um, one of our donors actually, who sits on our advisory board came up with this idea, which is kind of funny because he's a single older man, but he came up with this idea. We were like, this is amazing. He said, you know, why don't you guys sponsor some Spanish-speaking doulas. And with that, it will actually put Spanish-speaking doulas back into the community. It will also provide a sustainable income for these women. You know, so we're meeting multiple needs. And we said, we love that because it's not just meeting our organization's needs. It's meeting several needs of the birth community as a whole and for these women's fam- their families. And so, um, yeah, that's coming up in a few weeks. We're super excited. If people want to get involved with this organization or would like to use your services, what's the best way for them to do that? So they can contact laborofhope.org. I mean, that's really the best way. Simple and easy. Yeah, it's super easy. There's a volunteer form they can fill out, and we will get in touch with them. Keisha Baker is the vice chairman, co-founder of Labor of Hope. She's also a doula. I'm going to call you a midwife. <laughs> Don't, because I can get my license <laughs> delayed. <laughs> Soon to be midwife. It's a great organization. I wish you guys the best of luck. You can find them online once again at laborofhope.org. Thank you so much for coming in. Please come back. Of course. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.